This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging in fact wasabi is up to 80 percent less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from wasabi's ai enabled intelligent media storage wasabi air to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals data deletion and ransomware wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlemachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Bradford. Tucker golfs one to right field. Pretty well hit. Adolis Garcia will watch it go. First row. Just enough to get out. King Tuck makes it a 3-1 Astros lead. There's that low stinger off the tee right there from Kyle. All right, there you go. Kyle Tucker with the home run. Todd Callis and Jeff Blum with the home run call. Home run call of the day. Couldn't do it without both parties. Great way to start the day. In a day that is less than a week from the trade deadline. That's what everyone's talking about. Everyone's buzzing about. We did have a trade. We had a trade. Kike Hernandez goes from the Red Sox to the Dodgers. Uh, so let's play a little bit from Red Sox chief decision maker, Heim Bloom, talking about that trade, which got the Red Sox a couple minor league pitchers. Obviously, yeah. I'm sure he'd say the same thing. This hasn't been the season that he envisioned for himself, or certainly that we envisioned for him. Um, I feel pretty confident that uh, he's a better player than this, that he, that, that Kike is not done being a good, good, good big league player uh, in his early 30s. It's just how the season has unfolded. It's not something any of us envisioned. Uh, we're fortunate that, you know, over time, uh, you know, albeit not every night, but over time, you know, different guys have stepped up to, to kind of fill that gap and, and allow us to consider something like this, you know, Going back to the offseason, he was critical to our plans and the different twists and turns of the offseason. The versatility he has uh, enabled us to consider some different things. Um, and also, he was one of our best recruiters this winter. And he was all in on what we were trying to do. And, 
uh, really was a very powerful voice for other players who were considering our situation, and we appreciate that. Obviously not the season he or any of us envisioned. Uh, you know, hopefully this ends up being a really good thing for him, and uh, hopefully the same for us with the guys we play. All right, so not a huge deal, but a deal nonetheless in setting the stage for what is probably going to be a few days leading up to Tuesday of a lot of deals. I think there's going to be a lot of deals. I, I'm getting that vibe. I'm get, You don't know who's buying. You don't know who's selling, whatever. But I do think there are players to be had. So anyway, speaking of players, well, I don't know if you know this. Ellie De La Cruz is a player. He's a really, really good player. He's a dynamic player. He's a player that probably more people are talking about this season than maybe anybody else. And I'll tell you another person that everyone's talking about is John Sadak, the voice of the Cincinnati Reds, the guy who has been making all these calls when it comes to Ellie De La Cruz, when it comes to his home runs, his stolen bases, his throws. And John Sadak is, as I told him in this podcast, is a breakout star of 2023. I think he, if you talk about top five storylines, I don't care. Every time I look, John Sadak is doing something that is getting people's attentions, much like his guy, Ellie Dela Cruz. So there's no better person to talk about that dynamic about the, with Ellie Dela Cruz, as we said in the headline, the Ellie Dela Cruz effect and the Cincinnati Reds, and broadcasting in this day and age, what it takes to do a home run call, than a guy that I feel like is just nailing it this year, John Sadak. So we just wanted to talk to John, and that's exactly what we did. I thought it was a great conversation. Speaking of great, thank you, FanDuel, for being so great and jumping aboard. FanDuel is part of our family. Our part of our baseball isn't boring family, power helping us power through the entire year, helping us spread the conversation. Speaking of spreading the conversation, producer Evan doing an outstanding job. The socials at BB isn't boring. Twitter, Instagram, all you have to do, look at yesterday. Oh my goodness, look at yesterday. You have the Brandon Nemo stuff. You have the Brennan Berardino stuff. You have the... Trade deadline confessions from Adam Ottavino and Tommy Pham. What a day it was yesterday. Go check those out. At BB isn't boring. There's a lot to get to. We are just keeping the content coming, and today is no exception. John Sadak, a great guy to talk to about a lot of things. America's team, the most talked about player, and just the great game of baseball. Here you go. Here's John. All right, there's nobody I'd rather have on right now than John Sadak, the voice of the Cincinnati Reds. Um, and I mean that. I, John, I, I'm, you don't have to respond to this. You can if you want. But I think that you are, from my perspective, you are, if I'm talking about top five most impactful people in baseball in terms of us consuming, you're top five. You breakout season for you i know you've been doing it for a while so i don't want to say breakout season but i've loved listening to you so good stuff man well that, that's very kind of you i i have a hard time being uh objective i i always hear my own flaws more than anything else but i love what i do and i'm i'm glad that there's a a passion for the sport i love that <laughs> so, yeah but it, you know it, 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 we, we keep calling the reds america's team on this podcast because that's kind of how it feels and please, please, please get them to the postseason. I mean, this is like we 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 were we were so desperate for Otani and Trout, but I don't even care about them anymore. I, I just 
See, the, I wanted to see, oh, John, I, I, I was, the thing, and I know why it didn't happen, but not having Ellie Dela Cruz at, in Seattle at the All-Star game, it felt hollow. It felt like this guy was made to be there. Yeah, I, I do like a lot of the ideas that got stirred at uh, approaching the All-Star game this year. Uh, the idea of, and not specific to Ellie, I mean, I love watching Ellie, and I think he's very good for the sport. But the idea of all the good young stars in the game that should be part of that showcase that don't fit into the traditional window, um, that I do think the game should grow in some way, That that's what it is. It's, it's, a, it's a marketing vehicle. It's an introduction to the country for some of the best young rising talents. And I, I do think if we're already in an era where every team has to have an all-star, and I understand why that is, mm-hmm. um, then I do th- like the idea of let's choose some of the best players. I think Joel Sherman had a piece in the post below a certain age threshold, regardless of at-bats, regardless of innings, and make it entertaining. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's showcase those guys. I, I love I, that. I do too. And as you're talking, I'm thinking, okay, how can you do this? And here's one idea. It's just, to, you know, you you have the futures game. That's great. I mean, but the reality is, like, this is this is a problem with baseball is that a lot of these guys we're going to know in two years, three years, but we we just aren't familiar with them now. So it's not like everyone stop what you're doing, watch the futures game. But how about this? How about a rookie's skills challenge? Because you have some rookies who are going to be in the game. They're already there. Have some of the other rookies who aren't in the game, and do, and we're sort of we've we've talked about the skills challenge before. I know that Mookie has talked about this, and I know that uh, in Japan they do like a bunting contest. I don't know, you know, I don't know what it is, but I, I don't know. You just got me thinking, so thank you, thank you for that. <laughs> so yeah, the uh, I, I I I think Joel Sherman's idea was something along the lines of. Uh have a team of baseball stars aged and choose a, choose an age like 26 and under 25 and under um, against a team of all stars that are older than that age threshold. Um, <laughs> and because the, the other thing that's probably happening at some point, right? Like a, I would assume expansion is inevitable that as soon as Oakland and Tampa are settled, that's going to happen pretty promptly. Um, I have to think Nashville is going to be one of those markets. I'm not sure what the other market would be. And I would also think that some form of realignment is probably coming with that. Um, and I think there's going to be more and more of a blurring of the lines of um, leagues and divisions. We're already seeing a more balanced schedule. Um, I, I have mixed feelings on that personally because you have your longtime allegiances and your familiarities. But I, I think the ultimate bottom line of that is um, – it's just going to be about players. You know, it's just going to be about compelling teams. It's going to be about kind of what the other sports have become mm-hmm. that I think has helped them on a, on a marketing side, especially with, with younger people. Um, and there is so much good young talent right now. And there's more coming. I, there's so much good young talent. These guys know how to play and they can play. And the, the shocking part, and, you know, I do the home games with Barry Larkin and he remarks often both on and off the air about how stunned he is, how easily these young players transition mm. immediately. Like they, they seemingly are at least not showing that inherent nervousness. They're just playing and instantly actualizing their talents. It's a great point. I'm sure Barry's pointing this out. You know, I've talked to so many guys saying how the dynamic has changed when it comes to when a rookie comes up. It's not like, hey, go to the corner, hey, sit alone in the lunchroom, 
whatever it is. I mean, you hear, and it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago where that was the dynamic. But when guys come up, and the Reds are a perfect example of this, you come up and you're here to win, man. You're like, you're here to help us. And it does it does us no good if you're feeling like a second-class citizen or feeling bad about yourself. So, yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah, you definitely see that inclusivity. And and I, I do think with this Reds team, that's one of the many very compelling uh, parts of their story is not only is this this rookie renaissance that they're being driven by a lot of super young talent, uh, but but also the cohesiveness of the team. You know, it's, it, I was in the minors for a long, long time before the major league opportunities, and it, it's a truism that I saw over those years as well that the best teams usually, not always, there are always exceptions to things, uh, but usually were those that were most connected, where the guys really did like each other on a personal level, hung out together, and it wasn't the small cliques that that tend to form in a lot of, not all other clubhouses. Um, this is sincerely a team where everybody wants to be together. They spend off days together. Their families hang out together. And and I think you can feel and see that when they play. So let's talk about the the L.A. De La Cruz effect. Um and, I, and I've been – obviously, a lot of people are fascinated by it. And, and you you raise a good point about Major League Baseball desperately wanting to to highlight their young player. And, I, and when you said that, immediately I thought Jazz Chisholm on MLB The Show. You know, this is what – this is like – this guy is a good player, but, you know, he – but they want him – okay, you know, he's a fun player. That's the most important part of this. Bally Del Cruz we saw coming, but now then he gets dropped in. I think his first game was June 6th. And I just look into the numbers – since then, for the Reds, Reds have the second most wins since then of any team. Well, I think one behind the Braves. Um, they have the most stolen bases, not even close. Um, they have uh, they're in the top five in terms of runs, and th- that's all well and good. So th- there's that part of it which I want to ask you about about how the team just has has looked since he came up. But also the the minute that he was called up, I I was looking at the attendance. And it was like 19,000. And then I'm, I'm kind of tracking it. And the next thing I know, and I forget which, it might have been the Braves, 40,000. And like, so you're, there's no better person to sort of pick through all of it, everything that I'm talking about and the effect that he's had. So just do that if you could for me. And I know I touched on a lot of things, but there's a lot of things to touch on. It's not just, hey, this guy's fast and he's young and he's good. There's a lot that, that comes into the play here, right? There is, yeah. The uh, I would say chiefly, like the number one thing that's easy to quantify, and you're spot on, is that the team's per game home average pre-Ellie was about 19,000 a game. Uh, they had during that time, the lowest single game attendance in the 20 year history of the ballpark. Now that came in the earlier stage of the year. The, the fan base, you know, coming off a hundred loss season. Uh, many felt very emotionally attached to the stars that were either traded or not retained from the 21 team uh, as that team was largely torn down. I totally understood in the moment why and how they felt. I could go through then and even more so now move by move and I think make a pretty compelling case for why it was not a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the one that I think the fans would still want to have back is Luis Castillo because he's Luis Castillo. And I think once you saw the money that he signed for with the Mariners. 
but we still haven't seen the full maturation of the pieces that have come from that trade. Trades are best evaluated many years down the road. Uh, and I say that for the ones that I'm in favor of right now, too. You, you don't really know yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Ellie comes up from that day on. Home attendance is at 30,000 plus oh. a game. Oh, They had the largest, that Brave series you're talking about, that was the largest three-game cumulative attendance in the 20-year history of the ballpark. So there is a you-have-to-see-him kind of, of effect. The, the the team is deep. The team is talented. The team has a lot of guys who are very skilled and very compelling. But there is something incredibly unicorn-esque about a listed 6'5". I would say he's closer to 6'6". Um, super fast, super strong-armed, super powerful guy who just has a flair for not only making the dramatic play in terms of its impact, but doing it with this panache and gravitas that's it's so compelling. It's like his first few at bats, the the Reds world knew of the idea of his talents. That's one of the great things about today's world. Right. All this highlights from Louisville, if you're really following the Reds, you're easily finding these. They're finding you. You know, the algorithm is is populating those highlights into all of your feeds all the time. So it's been well-documented what he's capable of, but it was against a diff- different sphere of competition. When the big league at-bats come, the energy in the ballpark was something I, I've i never felt. And and I got to watch Aaron Judge, in, at least in AAA. Uh, the Rail Riders wound up winning the AAA championship. Um, yeah, I got to watch the, the Royals core that went to back-to-back World Series dominate during their run. Um and there's something different about him that there is this building energy, these roaring chants of Ellie. People are standing for a regular season third inning at bat. And <laughs> then as he stands in, it would transition to this golf tournament hushed tone. Like everyone's just standing and watching. And many have their phones out, like hoping that something crazy is going to happen. And then if and when something happens, it explodes, and it's it is awesome. It is so cool, um, and he's really unique that way, um, and because he is capable of the you thought to be impossible, he he has those physical tools. All as first of all, you you got me so jacked up. I love it. I like it. Like this, I love it. And and um, and also every time he does something. So we had on Richard Jimenez, who was the guy who signed him and. And uh, and scouted him, and he Richard was kind enough to send me the photo of 130 pound Delta <laughs> Cruz. Which every time he does something along the lines of what you're talking about, well, everybody, here's the 130 pound Delta Cruz. A reminder how far these come. But I want to ask you this because you have such a unique perspective of this. When he starts playing, like you said, you know he's coming. He starts playing, and all this stuff starts unfolding. From a broadcaster's point of view, is it one of these things where all of a sudden you're focused on everything anyway, but all of a sudden are you, I don't want to see more focused, but focused in a different way, anticipating things a little bit more? Um, because your calls have been nails across the board, like with home runs, with stolen base, and everything else. What's the mindset from you when you first came up and as this sort of unfolded? Um, I think you are more 
you're more aware that something spectacular could happen. I mean, that's always true in baseball, right? That's part of its its poetry. That's part of its beauty. Um, but because of his tool set, there there is that heightened other level. For instance, there was a, a relay the other day that he had on a ball that went to left center, and um, and they got Wilmer Flores at home plate, and he had the relay throw. And the, the throw was actually slightly offline. It was first base side of the circle. But he threw it at 100 miles an hour. So it was there in plenty of time. And Flores is not a super fast runner. Um, but uh, you're, you're waiting for those moments. And you know, in, in an era where everything is quantified, right? Everything is a, a stack cast number associated with it. And I get why there are some that, that don't care for it. But what we're really doing is we're just telling you declaratively, specifically, not like he hit that ball hard. Man, what a throw. We can tell you and compare it to everyone else and to that own person's abilities, just to what extent that damage was done. And and I, I don't see anything wrong with it. In fact, I love the idea of like, let's celebrate excellence. Let's celebrate greatness. Um, and I think that's true even on the Reds announcer. If an opponent makes a great play, I, I think I try to give it that same kind of flavor. Great play is a great play. And that's why we watch. And he is just capable of plays that just have some many of them have literally never been seen or at least not they're not tracked um i'm sure there have been some at some point in the the history of this game that are, are in a similar or perhaps higher threshold but we can't definitively say that um so yeah there is something to that there is something to a, a hyper awareness of just being ready to have everything kind of set to track things to look for things first time since uh, comparative kind of element uh because i i want to try to capture that i want the moment to be the moment and just try to have our shows and that's just not just me tv you know it's our producer it's our our replay room it's our camera ops especially at home would do a fantastic job uh particularly following the crowd um because you're, you're you're trying to capture the feeling in the stadium and make the person watching sense that um, and I also want to make sure that I leave at least a good, you know, two to sometimes 10 beats to let our director just cut and show the reaction and let the viewer kind of transcend and feel that. Um, but I also want to give it perspective and I also want to give it some kind of a bow. Um, and that does require being a little tighter. Yeah. I, I, you know, and I hadn't really thought of that that way until you asked the question, but I do think with him, there's a little bit more of that than there is with, with anyone else that's interesting and and here's a question which i i've never asked anyone um of someone who hasn't been in the major leagues for less as many as two months less than two months now what's your favorite ellie de la cruz moment Ooh, uh i i think it has to be when he stole home um (laughs) you know the, the the that ball had a family home run was was pretty spectacular that nearly left the stadium but to some extent like to say you expect it is is overreaching but it it wasn't as stunning because i've seen the highlights like and if you talk to the guys on this reds team that played with him in the minor leagues andrew abbott was quick to point out in the the first few overlapping weeks for the two of them like yeah like that that wasn't a top five ellie moment from this season like it was great it's amazing but like that's just kind of him um and uh, but I knew he would be capable of stealing home. He tried it against the Braves, mm. and and Olson got him at the plate. Mm. Um, 
But the idea that he stole second, third, and home and created a run like that. And by the way, he, he had the go-ahead RBI to get on base before all that happened, too. Um, that was really spectacular. I mean, that was – and you felt and saw it coming. Um, you know, that he never really went back to the bag at third, that he took that big walking lead. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's, <laughs> he's going to try this. <laughs> and that was really spectacular. And – to me, the other payoff, Rob, is that like he does something like that, and when he goes to the dugout, he is skipping like an elementary school kid with this big smile, high five at his teammates. Like he is a kid having such fun playing this game, and if that's not infectious, contagious joy, then like I, I don't know why you're watching. Like that's 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 awesome. Is it, it you know is it cliche to to embrace the dynamic? You just talked about that. The dynamic with Joey Votto. I mean, it's like we have this guy in Joey who, in a lot of ways, represents a lot of entertainment when it comes to baseball. And um, and then you have Ellie De La Cruz come up, obviously significantly younger. But then we have the photos of the two of them. It's this it's this dynamic which we may look back on and like, oh man, how lucky were we to see this? I mean, you're you're seeing it firsthand. Am, am I overstating that dynamic? No, not at all. I mean, that's that's one of the other regularly compelling elements of the the games they play together is that uh, particularly right after a big moment, right after one of them does something or the two of them do something, they're often shoulder to shoulder in the dugout, each with their own iPad or sharing an iPad. And it's usually Joey pointing to something and explaining and talking to Ellie. And sometimes it's the opposite. It's Ellie pointing to something on the iPad and either saying something or asking something of Joey. Um, I mean, that's Joey Votto is uh, has been the franchise for a giant chunk of his fan base for a long time. He is a beloved figure. There are two names that are quasi regularly chanted at the ballpark these days as the crowds have grown. The energy's been building um, as the hitter approaches the plate. It's Ellie and Joey <laughs> and uh and I, I thought one of the other really cool moments was right after Ellie stole home, Joey Votto was leading the Ellie chants from the giant <laughs> section of Reds fans behind the visiting dugout in Milwaukee. And that's really cool. I mean, like to think about that. Here is a Mount Rushmore man for the franchise who is who is outright cheerleading for this young rising teammate. And in a sport that has a history of stars not doing that, in fact, doing the opposite at times and, and being ego-driven and being self, to see him embrace it and love it is, it's fantastic. It's so cool. And it's such good timing. I mean, we're so happy that Joey came back and, uh, and, and, and it's just, it was dropped into, not only dropped back into the major leagues, but dropped into this situation. It's so great. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Um, so a couple more, one baseball, one broadcasting baseball, you know, this is a team, you know, we talk a lot about Ellie De La Cruz and now we can talk about Votto, but this is a team that's in contention. This is a team that 
you know, like a lot of teams, now we try to figure out what they need to to sustain for the last couple of months here. What is the Reds fan? What is the feeling? Because I like talking to scouts, you know, early this is a couple of weeks ago. Um, they're like, yeah, you know, the Reds are asking for pitching, but they want Matt McClain and this. I'm like, no, it's not happening, right? What is the Reds fandom perspective of if it if it's hey front office, let's go. This is our chance. Joey's still here. We got this young core. We're in it. Let's go. What is the feeling heading in the trade deadline? Uh, I think it's very mixed. I think there are some that desperately want to go get good pitching and let's take a home run swing with everything right now. And and in theory would be willing to trade some of the, the inventory they have of their high-end prospects. Um, I think more commonly, and the, and the track that I would tend to agree with more is Yes, try to improve the team as best you can. And that, that means pitching, some combination of starting and or relieving. Um, another left-handed option to the pen would be nice. Um, but the the idea of mortgaging the future, um, I, I, I think, would be silly. And I think there's a giant portion of the fan base that agrees with that. So trying to find that Goldilocks spot of um, you know, probably trading for a f- – flawed pitching um, that you think you can fix or mm-hmm. that your environment's going to help or um, or uh, trading for or trading for you know a shorter term rental of someone who is more finished but without leveraging everything like yeah, don't give away the great great players and that's where the, the Nick crawl who's the Reds GM has done an excellent job in, in these trades and and in some of their signings too they have blossomed a lot of talent. Um, I do think his own reputation probably injures him at this point. Like he's done so exceedingly well at building this team. I think there's an even greater awareness. Like, like nobody wants to be the next team to, you know, lose a trade and, and, and to lose a trade is an overstatement because uh, anything can work in the moment. It's really hard to anticipate results. Um, but I, I think overwhelmingly, you know, the fans like this team, and the fans want this team to do as as well as it can. Um, but I, I think there's a splintering on to what extent you would do that. On like a one to ten scale, how in are you in terms of giving up capital? Um, and, and also, I would argue that you know what the trade market sounds like. And I, I also always think the real deals are made tight to the deadline, and that tells you what the the real landscape is like. Feels like what the housing market has gone through. You know, it feels like that same kind of idea that, um, you know, what what is your rate of return for what you're putting out there? Um, it might make sense to just rent for a bit. You know, it might make sense to to not purchase just yet until the inventory is better. Um, and that's part of that also is because, you know, a great portion of the joy from the fan base with this team is what it represents for the future. Like, Yes, you, you don't always know. Things can happen. Guys can get hurt or under. I, I totally understand. There's so much good young talent that's in the big leagues and playing well right now that like, there is a strong chance they are very competitive and good at playoff caliber for years to come. You know, a lot of these guys are under team control. A lot of these guys are still just realizing their own greatness and who and what they are in the big leagues. Um, so... Yeah, I, I think it's a mix. I, I, I think you'd find a mix. That's that's interesting. I mean, it's a new world. Right? It's a new world, right, for the fandom, for at least for for this generation. Um, 
So the the last thing, John, is 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 a broadcasting thing. So every podcast we do, we kick it off with the home run call of the day because people like home run calls and it's a good way to start the day. You are the leader in the clubhouse, home run call of the day. Congratulations. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah. So it's it's uh our producer Evan. Producer Evan's the one that that picks him and and he he cannot he cannot go by yours without saying this is the one. I'm just and I do um I'm like path of least resistance radio when Joe Castiglione isn't doing it. I uh, can't make it. I sit alongside Will Fleming and I blurt out some words, but I, it is a thrill whether it's with Joe or with Will to, to see like how they do it, how, how they do home run calls. This fascinates me because people think, Oh, well, you know, a home run call is a home run call, but it's not because, because baseball, you don't know when the home runs coming. You know, and and also you have to gauge the home run a lot of times, which is obviously very difficult. And, and there's a lot that goes into it. For you, how do you how do you view a home run? I know it's a broad question, but how do you view a home run call? How do you say does it when when you think that the ball is going out, does it click in? Okay, you know, I have to represent this moment. In a worthy way. I, wait, so just take, take, I'll take it away. I'm sort of babbling about a home run call, but I think you get my drift. Yeah, I, I think exactly along the lines of what you're saying. I, also, I'd love to say that that I adore Joe and Will. Uh, Will is a longtime friend. We were together for a long time, AAA and in high A. And then through Will, I've gotten to know Joe as the Reds have played the Red Sox. And I listen to them a lot, uh, listen to you a lot, uh, because I, I really enjoy the sound and I, I love the camaraderie. Uh, but yeah, I think you're trying to meet the moment. I think you're trying to do service to, um, and that's part of why I don't personally have a set home run call. Um, there are some that I'll go back to like once in a while where it feels right. And if the fans like certain things and I feel it fits, then, then I, then I'll do that. But I, I, I kind of feel like each one, it's almost like your children, like their, their own organic moment. They're all a little different. They all, um, kind of need their own. Um, their own underlining. And and to me, that's what we're doing, particularly on TV. I think radio, you're trying to give even more vivid detail. You're trying to paint more of that picture, which is both bald and flight action, the hitter, the body language of the pitcher, um, what the feel, some of the sights and sounds are of the environment, um, you know, even what the sky looks like at the time. And But on TV, you're captioning. On TV, you're just trying to like give it that, um, fairly succinct, but sometimes it deserves and calls for a, a bigger kind of um, underpinning of words. And uh, and I do think part of it in TV and a similar fashion to radio, um, Al Michaels had said this many years ago, uh, who I consider to be the probably the best TV football play-by-play guy in my lifetime, that part of, he considered part of his job um, to tell the viewer what they're not seeing. And, uh, and so it's something that's not on camera that you can try to bring up, which also then in theory helps our truck. If they have a shot of it that they have banked that they can go back to during the replay or something of that ilk. Um, but that I think it's really something that tight. And then from there, it, it goes into a wide range. You're trying to meet the moment. You're, you're trying to meet that moment, give it that caption. And, uh, and I, and I, I am a much higher energy guy. Like that's, that's who I am. That's how I watch sports when I'm not broadcasting. 
Uh, one of my early dates with my wife was watching a Super Bowl. It was Colts Giants, and um, and I was highly uh, energetic during it. And uh, <laughs> she was not really a team sports fan growing up. And and there was like, I, I don't, fear would be an overstatement, but it was surprising to her. And I'm like, uh, this is going to happen a lot. Like I watch a lot of sports, and this is how I tend to consume it. Um, and I I try to share that with the with the viewer. I try to like that's sincerely who I am. That would be me. Go into like my brother's house league hockey games. That's how I'd be in the stands. Oh, that's so well put. I'm glad. I'm glad I asked you a question and thank you for answering it the way you did because I'm. I really am fascinated by that thing. It, the the whole deal and and you, like you said, you've just absolutely nailed it, nailed it every single one that we've heard this year and um, it's been a lot of fun. You've made it. You've made it more fun, a fun thing, even more fun is what I'm trying to say, John. So thank you for that. So that's that's very kind of you. And uh, I'm very lucky to sit in the chair that I do. You know, these jobs are I I, I still can't believe I do what I do. I mean, if you had told me when I first went down this road that I would just be the voice of the high A Wilmington Blue Rocks for more than one season, I would have said, yep, I'll sign whatever you got like a. The, the, that alone was kind of the realization of a dream. But the idea to, to do it at the big league level and to have a team like this to be able to call, and I'm really lucky. Well, to punctuate it all, a baseballs and boring T-shirt's on the way. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you kindly. It's very right. nice of you.